0: This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast.
1: cut off by Mata, throws it out front, the scores!
0: Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more.
1: Viala's in for Minnesota. Viala cuts to the middle, waits, score. Greenway in, saved by Miska. Rebound, Eric Zinek, they score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. Adler, hooked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it. He scores!
0: Kirill the Thrill. Is now, surreal. here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boya. And Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome into Sound the Foghorn Playoff Edition. Uh, we took a little bit of a break, week and a half probably since we last recorded, uh, just due to some personal things, but we are back here for a Monday night show, might be our first ever Monday show, I'm not sure, don't hold me to that, but it might be. But I'm here, uh, Brett Marshall here alongside my two awesome co-hosts, Justin Baki and Zeke Boyatt. Zeke, we'll go to you first, man, and spend a week and a half since we chatted, how you been doing?
2: Uh, yeah, I've been doing pretty good, just uh, been spending a lot of time uh First uh, year of college got done, so just had some time to relax and just watch some hockey, so it's uh, been a good last week or so.
0: And Justin, what about you?
1: It's been good. I've uh, been working quite a bit. This was my busy work week, but had a good week. Uh, got gifted a uh, Kirill Kaprizov rookie card, the young guns upper deck that everyone's been kind of clamoring to get. So I, I call that a win on top of the wild winning. just excited to start talking about the, the game.
0: Yeah, I would uh, consider that a win. I know there's been people out there that have been, you know, going out and buying packs, hoping to, uh yeah. hoping to get their hands on those. So pretty yeah. cool, you got that to add to your collection yeah. of I have wild a memorabilia.
1: Yeah, my my friend from high school, her husband owns a card shop in North Dakota, and you know it. it he basically said you've done so much for me and in, in my life uh, and we, you know, we just want to give back and they're just good people. And it was just kind of unexpected. So pretty awesome. It's going mm-hmm. for like 150 on eBay. So I, I certainly wasn't going to pay that. So <laughs> it, it, very blessed and, and grateful for that. Yeah. When it becomes okay, to the cool. best
0: hockey player of all time, it'll be priceless. So definitely. <laughs> all right. So, we got a lot of different directions we could go first tonight with topics. Um, I'll let you guys kind of di- dictate the direction. Do you want to talk game one first? Do you want to talk Jack Eichel first? Uh, which direction do you guys want to go?
1: I mean, I can do the the prospects, and then uh, why oh, don't yeah. we just kind of uh, – Yeah, we'll, we'll do that, and then let's kind of just jump into the game and go from there. All right, sounds good Sweet. to me. But, uh, yeah, for the prospect update, uh, not really much because all the seasons are over, and you know, really the only thing that happened was Iowa finished up their season with a two-game set with the Texas Stars. They they split the series with them on uh, I believe it was Friday Saturday. Uh, there is no playoffs for the Central Division, East Division, in the AHL. were basically given you know, to see if they want to come up with playoffs or not, and the Central Division chose not to so. That's it for their season. Uh, Boldy had a three-point weekend and finished it with 18 points in 14 games. Um, a little kind of cool fact, I saw uh, Tony Abbott post. Is, he has the highest points per game total in our AHL history, even in a small sample size. That's pretty awesome. Uh, we saw Adam Beckman return to Iowa after his Spokane WHL season ended. He got two points in the two games he played, which is awesome to see and continue to kind of do his thing. And then uh basically the last thing is something Russo posted. It looks there's a possibility that uh Boldy, Addison, Dewar, Belpedio, Duheim, and Hunter Jones are all likely to be called up to become black aces uh for the wild for the playoffs. So pretty awesome to see, you know, Boldy and Addison, some of these guys get the chance maybe if you know if need be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm I would guess barring any injuries, um, or just a brutal game from someone in the bottom six that mm. those guys will just remain black aces, but that's how they're called the black aces. So, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully they're ready to go and who knows, we could see a Boldy debut yet this year, and if not, uh it'll just be uh, you know, an exciting season with the potential of Rossi, Boldy and Addison maybe all playing their rookie seasons next year. So lots to look forward yeah, to it. Yeah, sure. Justin, great job to you and uh, all your cohorts over there at Minnesota uh, MNW Prospects. Uh, Great work this year, keeping the fans in tune with what's going on. I know you've been a resource to fans, I think to guys like Michael Russo and to anyone else who wants to get a good grasp on the team. So just uh, congrats, another great year for uh, you and your your team over there.
1: Appreciate it. It's uh, kind of, you know, we don't do it for any money. We do it in our free time, and, you know, it's just something we enjoy doing, and I just appreciate the support from everyone.
0: Alright, well, good deal. Well, uh, let's get into game one. That happened yesterday afternoon. An intense game through and through. I believe ended with fifty no sixty one. No, seventy one?
2: I think it's seventy one. Seventy one yeah.
0: combined shots uh, in the game, forty two for Vegas, twenty nine for Minnesota, but just one lone overtime goal from who else but Mister May Jewel Erickson Eck, who buried a Jordan Greenway def- pass that was deflected by Marcus Foligno right to Eck, and finally able to solve Mark Andre Fleury and maybe uh, rub a little dirt in his wounds from uh, f- you know trying to be too much of a showboat uh, throughout the game with the glove. But uh, let's—I didn't get a chance to watch too much of the game as I was uh, driving back from Iowa. Uh, watched highlights and stuff, but and it sounds like Justin, you were a bit, you were uh, watching on and off while you were at work. So Zeke, you might have the best insight into kind of the takeaways from Game One. So we'll go to you first. Uh, what, what did you like? What didn't you like? Uh, just okay. break down game one for us from your perspective.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, obviously everyone knows that the, you know, the first period wasn't great. I mean, being outshot 19 to five, obviously that, that's never good. And, and you know, I, while I think, you know, Vegas did certainly dominate the last second half of that period. And it looked like the wilds were, you know, a lot of their play, a lot of the guys looked, you know, maybe a little bit nervous, just kind of settling. And still, I think, uh, you know, what, what ended up being a theme throughout the game is, you know, aside from maybe like three or four, the wild team do a really good job of just, you know, taking away the shooting lanes and blocking a lot of shots and passes and didn't really, you know, the shots that did allow through uh, were ones that uh, Talbot uh, really had a great chance at seeing and could make the save on. And that's not to take, you know, anything away from him, but I think uh, that was key just for them to, to to find a way to you know prevent the high danger chances and just get them out of that first period tied 0-0 which and after that you know you thought they had a good chance and then obviously second period you know several chances like Brett mentioned with, with uh Marc-Andre Fleury making a couple saves that you know a, a lot of people uh, which I would agree with uh, thought it would be over exaggerated including the one on Ryan Hartman from right in the slot but uh, you know that, that that period was a lot better for the wild and I just think that uh I don't know. I, I just feel like overall, over time in that game, they just started to play more of their game. They didn't really seem, uh, you know, ever too panicked or, or too overwhelmed. And uh, they did a really good job, uh, aside from that uh, one rush in the third period, uh, you know, from uh, pretty much shutting down Mark Stone for pretty much the whole game. So I think, you know, that that was obviously a key. And, you know, man, I, I just the the, is just those kind of games you just you like watching the playoffs and then it's all great but then when it's your team and it's tied zero zero every every period every minute it's it's incredibly nerve-wracking to watch and it was uh yeah it it was a it's not hard to watch but it was it it, it, i was very nervous throughout the whole game watching the the end but uh no i think you know it was it was overall a good game Uh, obviously you look at the score one nothing you think oh boring boring uh but you know really i think it was you know more like a four four three five four game considering the, all the chances that both teams uh traded so yeah no it was a, it was a really entertaining game uh you know really really nerve-wracking and uh and just overall just you know great hockey so
0: yeah and i think one thing that did come through at least to me both through the radio, through highlights, and through the score sheet, was it seemed that Ryan Hartman may may have mm-hmm. played one of his best games uh, of the year in a while, the uniform.
2: Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mean, yeah, the if you read in Russo's game or any other recap articles, he had probably, I think he had like six shots or something like that. He had a bunch of, you know, like four or five, it seemed like, point-blank chances on Fleury, who, kind of, who bested him each time, but, you know, he was all over the ice. Uh, I think part of that is the fact that being on that line with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, I mean, Kaprizov especially, there Vegas kind of, you know, hones in on him, and, and that's kind of left a little bit of room for Hartman. But, no, he uh, he, he was very good and, and was probably one of their best, uh, you know, offensive players even throughout that game, even better than the the Felino greenway line who was, you know, didn't have their best night. But, yeah, no, he was, uh, he, he was really good, too, I think.
0: Yeah, and I've been really impressed. I, I put out a, a little mini-thread, I think, uh, earlier this month. I think it was between when we recorded last and tonight's show, just how good that uh, that Hartman-Kaprizov-Zuccarello line has been. They've pretty much controlled the expected goals, the core seed, mm-hmm. the goals for, goals against. Like, any metric you want to break down since that line's been assembled, um, they've they've controlled the play, and that continued into last night. And that's not something we were seeing with uh, Kaprizov-Zuccarello and Rass so figure out what the Oof. differentiator is there. Um, but I, th- I think just the Hartman just fits a little bit better. He plays a little bit faster game, a little bit more North South. He's a little bit better on the four check. And those were all things we said that Rass just didn't bring. And that we felt that this line needed. And that seems to, to be holding true. And Kaprizov had a really good chance too last night, uh, picked off a pack pass in the slot. Okay. And I don't know how somehow Mark Andre Fleury managed to, to get a piece finger. of finger.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, Justin, did you have any uh, additional takeaways uh, from the game?
1: I mean, kind of some obvious ones, not so obvious ones maybe. Um, I didn't, like you said, I didn't get to watch all of it. I got to watch Chunks. I was at work. And kind of in between lulls of doing what I had to do, I was able to kind of have my phone at my desk and just catch glimpses. But, you know, looking at the box store and watching the game, we thoroughly out them and i felt like our physicality kind of i felt like maybe we played their game better than they played it you know greenway had 11 hits in the game and uh we out them 71 to 57 so i felt like the physicality kind of brought brought you know helped us in that game but uh another thing i, th- I thought was obviously you know talbot had that great game 42 save shutout it, it was good to see after us being kind of worried at the end of the season how he was playing. To see him come out and, and get mm. a shutout against the Knights and you know basically be the player of the game should have been first star, but
2: yeah, that was that was silly because I mean you could hear on the NBC on the broadcast they were drooling over Flurry the entire game mm-hmm. and they showed the Sam's I mean you know the one on Kaprizov obviously like Brett mentioned was great but they they kept showing all those over again and, you know obviously you know Talbot maybe not as flashy but I think. You know, like everyone knows, that just shows the, you know, the efficiency and, and the calmness that he plays with. And I think that was a really good point.
1: Right, and, and looking at the box score, they may have outshot us, but we had mm-hmm. more hits, more block shots. We had less giveaways, like half as many giveaways as them. And mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of what helped us set set apart. You know, save some of the goals they may have had was block shots and playing a physical game.
2: Yeah.
0: And the other thing that I thought they did well, looking at kind of the shot charts and just the way, you know, you'd look at it. And I think the, the shot attempts in the game, I think, were almost 2-1 to one to Vegas. But you look at the expected goals, and I think they're maybe half a goal, might even been less different um, at 5-on-5. Five five and I think the whole game was about the same. And I think that just speaks to how good the Wild were at just allowing Cam Talbot to see the pucks, forcing the Golden Knights to the outside, getting you know a lot of those low-danger shots, letting Talbot make the easy saves. And, you know, even though, again, the wild didn't have a ton of shots when they did, it seemed like they were making them count. Like, like we said earlier, it seemed every time Hartman had a shot on goal, it seemed like it was a a legit scoring chance. And I think that's the game that the wild have kind of played all year. And, you know, I think through and through last night, it's just, we saw the wild play the type of game that, that they've been successful with all year. And I think that's Mm. really encouraging to see that in game one, especially as they, you know, kind of, kind of stumbled into the end of the season, you know, maybe some lackadaisical efforts against the blues and he's had guys trying not playing not to get hurt their position felt pretty pretty solidified you had two games against the ducks where you're not know, not a very good team and you know you might be playing down to their level a little bit too so it was it was good to see him come out with a great effort and I'm uh, really looking forward to uh, what they might be able to do here in, uh, in game two and maybe bring a two-0 lead back to the excel energy center where we of course you know they've been absolutely dominant this year
2: and I think that uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin.
1: I was just going to say, we always talk about him, but to see playoff Capri was fun. You know, he had that block shot that really stung him, but he's kind of really done everything. He laid that hit on NoSec and he had that scoring chance and made, you know, set up Hartman on possible goal. It just, he continues to just shine in big stages, and that was fun. And it'll also be mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens if Vegas gets Patch Ready back because he was missing from the game. So,
2: yeah, I think, uh, uh, what was I, I? think you made a good point that it was almost uh, it was almost kind of surprising uh, when Capri saw doesn't score the overtime winner or score in the last minute of the game because that's what we're, you know, so used to from right. him. But, uh, but you know, I just think uh, you know, and obviously on the block shots that Justin mentioned, you know, you don't love seeing him going out and blocking shots right in his ankles, but that you know that just shows mm-hmm. I think the just buy-in that they have as a team and then you know last i just think that uh, getting that game one is huge i mean historically i I don't remember the exact record russell's article but they're horrible in game ones in the playoffs in their history and horrible on the road in their playoff history so i think you know even just whether it's conference wise or just getting in Vegas, head i think just getting that uh, that win especially in the way they did one nothing in overtime i think is huge because of that you know obviously like brett said it'd be great to come home up to nothing but uh at least you know now at least they got that one win in their back pocket so they're not coming home with you know their backs against the wall needing to win a couple games in a row so i think that was just really huge for just you know obviously the the confidence and just you know ensuring that uh, you're not going to fall behind early
1: right
0: what do you guys think some keys to game two will be heading in is, is there any players you want to see step up do you just want to see them do a lot of the same things what do you think they need to do in game two to, to maybe pull ahead in this series two zip
1: Oh, i didn't really catch the game but i think a better game from the Greenway-Felina line i i mm-hmm. feel like i or was it was their line Re- remind me Zeke did they have kind of a rough game in the beginning or
2: was it i mean yeah I, the first period they're okay but yeah it wasn't their uh, it wasn't their best game but i mean but i i wouldn't say they're horrible but yeah no they okay. could be better they could be better and i think really? yeah i just think uh Overall, I mean, obviously, just you know, just start better. Maybe come out a little bit more out of the gates. uh You know, also, I think you know the power play could be better. I know Vegas was doing a really good job pressuring and killing penalties uh, in the last game, but uh, you know, right before they scored that overtime winner, they had a horrible, horrible power play where they could never even get set up in the offensive zone. So that was kind of a little bit of a. I mean, obviously, their power play was not going to be going at forty percent all the time, but that had kind of slowed down the last two or three weeks. So. I think uh, you know if they can just improve a couple of things there, and also if we can just get another uh, solid performance from the D. And uh, I also thought it was uh, uh, kind of a bounce back performance, aside from one kind of gaffe uh, by Matt Dumba and Jonas Burdine. But yeah, no, it's just uh, just kind of just fine tune some things and just come out from the start ready to go.
0: And I think one thing I really want to see done a little bit better as well, in addition to those things that you guys mentioned, I we need to be a, we need a better game out of the Rask, Fiala, Johansson line. Yeah. I believe they had just four shot attempts through, I think, almost 12 minutes of five on five and 16 against. So, I mean, clearly they were the line that was kind of getting bullied that game. Um, so I'd like to see more out of them. I think they're a line that can play with a lot of speed. You know, Rast, despite, you know, all the hate and stuff that we've given him this year, he's had some stronger games of late. He's been solid defensively. We need him to be good in the defensive zone and we need him to be, him and the D to be looking to get Fiala and Johansson going up the ice with speed because you know I think the Wilds the Wild actually might have a faster team when, when at least when those two are on the ice they're they're as fast as anyone that Vegas has so I'd like to see mm-hmm. more out of them I would assume that you know Everson's going to try to continue to roll out the Eck line against the stone line and you got to imagine that they're going to be putting their shutdown guys out against Kaprizov when they can which should open up an opportunity for Kevin Fiala too so I think the other big key is going to be to continue to stay out of the box and the penalty kill to stay strong because I think special teams and goaltending are going to be your big keys to winning, and I would just those are just a couple things that I would key in on. And, and the one more thing I wanted to add, it um, was pretty cool to see. Um, it sounds like the coaches kind of gave the team the option of what they wanted to do today, and it sounds like Spurgeon kind of talked with the guys and the team decided to have a practice today, a light one at that. But I think it's just a really cool testament for this team to, you know, just the attitude they have and I think the belief they have in themselves and each other that, hey, we they, they can make a run and we're going to practice today. We're going to work on a few things, fine-tune some things, make sure our legs are ready and move in. And I thought that was just a really cool thing to see today.
1: Definitely. And that's, you know, definitely uh, maybe a, quite a different culture than what we've seen. It's, like you said, it's awesome to see. and It's only going to get better from here on out. Yep,
2: Agreed.
0: All right, and a big part of that culture change and it's been something we've discussed a few times, but uh, we'll discuss it again here today just briefly. Uh, mm-hmm. Another guy that is conti- that has not been playing and is continuing to see the bench and the uh, and the press box is Zach Parise. Uh, scratched for game one here um, and doesn't really seem like he has any chance of uh, getting back in the lineup anytime soon. Uh, I mentioned I uh, hopped on, locked on wild with, uh, with Seth Topol today and we even discussed that, you know, if, even if there is an injury, it might not even be Parisi that draws in next. It could be a, a Matt Bowley here or somebody else. So it just really seems like his days in Minnesota could be numbered and a lot of uncertainty for, for what his future holds. Just what do you guys continue to make of this, of this whole situation with, with Zach Parisi?
2: Well, Oh, well anyway, like, I don't know. I it's obviously it's tough for everyone, obviously for the team. It's, uh, it sucks to get to the point where you're uh, putting a seven and a half million dollar player uh, for more seasons in the press box. Yeah. That's that's never ideal, and it also, you know, it sucks for Zach, who you know this is a, a prideful guy who, who's been a top six guy his whole career. Has been had a really great career. Has uh, been a, been a I mean, he hasn't won a Stanley Cup, but he's played well in the playoffs for the Wild and in New Jersey. He's been a captain at several different levels. So, and also the fact that it's in his hometown is you know obviously going to be probably a little bit embarrassing for him. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's honestly, I, I think from what everything we can tell that it's just that they think their better lineup is better, uh, you know, with the guys they got in there, and and I sincerely hope it's that and not uh and but I I I hope it's just that and not something that they're trying to get him to waves no move or anything like that. But no, I think it's just uh, probably just what they feel is is going to give them the best chance to win. But I do at the same time think that uh, people. You know you go you'll go reading a lot of the replies and, and people kind of you know I think some of the shit that they're throwing at Zach's way i think is a little bit unfair it's like it's you know it, it, it does suck for the guy i mean like he he's used to being being the guy on the team and people act like you should just he should just be able to you know accept that he's gonna be on the fourth line playing seven minutes or not at all just like that and it's like well you know I don't from everything we said he's not really complaining to doing too much of that at least you know in the public guys so i don't know i think it's just you know, I'm sure Justin will have some thoughts, but I just think that uh, it's just it's it's a crappy situation uh, for everybody, especially a guy who you know is a from here that was a big part of this team for like nearly a decade. Uh, you know, played through a lot of injuries and a lot of that crap, and was still really good. And I think it's just uh, it's just going to be a kind of a crappy end to his uh, tenure in Minnesota. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's tough to see because he's been such a big part of this team, like you said, and, and a big part of these playoffs. I mean, we haven't really gotten far per se, but he's been the like did leading scorer on the team in the playoffs. And it's just to see him go from first line to fourth line to healthy scratch to not being on the playoff roster really, other than being red in practice, it's I was honestly kind of surprised he wasn't on the roster, but at the same time he did have a rough season and, and you know, maybe Rask isn't faster than him, but maybe they feel like the young guys they have on the fourth line, like the Sturms and you know Bukestad, Maybe they feel like they they're faster and more suited for for the playoffs now than Zach, who's maybe
2: lost a step. Possibly, you yeah, know. I think the big maybe thing possibly, too is, but I think they have
1: lost is the a step. defensive
0: impact those guys bring as well.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. I know. I agree. I, th- I mean, I think like. I mean, I guess I don't have the stats for me, but I know he, Marcus Johansson is is the better of a skater and and is more faster that way. But and about I haven't been particularly impressed by him, you know, pretty much at any point in the season. But I, I get why, like like you guys, just like Justin just said, it, I, that's completely I completely understand why it's just a, it's you know, it's just a like I said, it's just kind of it's not fun for anyone. So
0: yeah, it'll be and it'll be really interesting to see. I think that'll be one of the most interesting off season stories. Um, outside of, you know, the, the contracts that'll be handed out. Um, but the other big offseason story could be, you know, the potential of a of a pretty large blockbuster trade uh, per Michael Russo of The Athletic. We'll call him a friend of the show. Um, <laughs> the Wild do have interest in Jack Eichel. Um, and I know Zeke and I have differing opinions. I don't know where Justin totally stands yet, but let's get into Jack Eichel. Zeke, I'll, I'll let you go first before I uh, give my rebuttal. But uh, you're Mm -hmm. more in the camp of that the Wild should go after Eichel. Um, The the things that we know, it's going to be expensive. There's going to be a lot of teams bidding. He has a $10 million cap hit, I believe, for five more seasons after this. He's 24 years old. He's a right-shot center. A lot of the things that the Minnesota Wild uh, have been looking for and have been lacking.
2: Well, I'm just going to start with saying I kind of flip-flopped on this. uh, Pretty much every – well, I mean, I still have to take the side, (laughs) but – I'll be t- can be talked into one or the other based off literally just uh, reading <laughs> blogs or or comments or whatever or just my own thoughts. So and also the fact that you know I'd feel bad shipping anyone else off the team out to Buffalo in the first place. Right. But uh, uh, but no, I think I just you know for me it it just comes down to when i've said things on twitter and i gave my opinion it's i've kind of took it as the assuming that a you're confident that his his neck injury or whatever or his other health injury issues aren't going to be a long term concern and you are confident in his character and his ability to you know fit into the locker room so i'm assuming that you know bill garen which obviously we I think, you know, as fan base where we have a lot of trust in him as the GM, and I think, uh, you know, he would not make that kind of move or pursue it much if he wasn't uh, confident in either of those things being good. So, you know, when I, when I say things, I kind of just assume I'm assuming those in a perfect scenario, but I just think that, you know, obviously these kind of players uh, really, you, you can't, they don't come available aside from, you know, being in the draft and being bad. And obviously you know, with the way the wild are now, they're not gonna be bad anytime soon. And like Brett said, all those reasons that uh Michael's attractive as a right shot center who who's twenty four, uh, was has had some you know, offensively had some really good seasons. And I just think that You know, there's been examples, you know, there's probably more, but of guys, the rare ones that have been traded like that, like Joe Thornton, San Jose traded there. Uh, They were good for 10, 15 years. Uh, You know, Dallas hasn't been great. They made final runs and have been decent in the playoffs once in a while, but they went from kind of a mediocre kind of franchise to when they acquired, uh, took advantage of Boston, got Tyler Sagan into a, you know, more of a kind of upper end team. And I just, I don't know. I just think that it it would be kind of Bill Guerin wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't at least uh, investigate it and you know like like i'm sure Brett will say there are there are plenty of reasons obviously uh you know to maybe be against it and obviously it'll all come down to cost and truly you know how many teams uh you know are real i mean obviously a lot of them going to be in our but what other teams can offer and uh what the wild will be comfortable uh, offering up off the after team but i just think you know obviously everyone's concerned about obviously for most his health which is you know that's i we can't know anything to we we don't know any other information that we know but as his character you know every there's been supposedly whispers r- since he was 16 about you know the kind of guy teammate he is and all this and which obviously you have to take into fact and that is definitely a concern but i guess just my kind of takeaway is you know i'm not you know i don't think that all oh, you should do uh No, anything, possible whatever do you need to to acquire him. I just think that uh, overall, just my kind of conclusion is that if you know in July or in August there's a report for Roos or somebody that the Wild, you know, have acquired Jack like which is probably like ten percent or less. That if that did happen, that uh, Bill Guerin, I think, would have done the you know the proper background on on his health and his character. And I, if they did make that move, I would. Uh, I mean, depending on what they gave up, but I think. Overall, if, if that was even a possibility, I would uh, trust that the uh, Bill Garin, either way, whether they make that move or not, knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, Justin, anything to add or to to add some uh, your two cents into the situation?
2: Um, I got a little bit. I mean, I
1: kind of I'll kind of just give my whole opinion. It might touch on a little bit of what he touched on, but I, I wrote three things down about question marks, like asking price. I don't want to sell the farm. I I wouldn't want to give up like a Rossi or a Boldy that are high character guys if. If Eichel's going to come in and have character issues, I mean, that's something to look into. I know people that have had fan interaction, which is different than team interaction, but I haven't heard good things about him with fan interaction. Uh, You don't really want to revert the culture that Garen's changed. And then how serious is the injury? Um, All three things that I think are really key to look into. Uh, another thing is, you know, with that $10 million through the year 25, 26, and uh, no-move clause starting in 22, 23, how do we make this work? Um, and how does it affect future contracts? Because we got this expensive d we got Caprisov, Fiala, and Ek to sign. I mean, Parisi, who knows where, what's yeah. going to happen with him? Who knows you know, one more year ask and then who knows what's going to happen with Dumba? That's $17 million right there. But still, what happens when some of these good prospects, if we don't lose them, come off entry-level contracts and where do we sit with all that so, just kind of things to all take I can mm-hmm. see either side but I certainly don't want to sell the farm that we've built so hard to get back from where it was with Fletcher and stuff So, and uh, I know you're going to bring up Sam Reinhardt probably Yep. who's our RFA this offseason and I'd be all for that but at the same time he's a winger and how does that solve our down-the-middle problem
0: all right so I'll give my two cents here. I'm I'm pretty firmly against uh, trading for Jack Eichel, and it's it's a culmination of pretty much all the things that you guys have touched on that kind of shine the negative light. First and foremost for me, it's actually the character issues because as we talked about right now, like this team is one that believes in itself that seems to feed off each other. I think you know Zach Zachary dusted aside because it sounds like he has voiced some displeasure. I think kind of behind the scenes, maybe not necessarily with the team, but more with the coaching staff, the management, and that could be a factor into why he may not be playing on top of just some some below-average performance. But I just don't think that's it's a high risk to bring a guy like that in. I mean, you have to start to wonder at what point, you know, Buffalo's been a bad team for a long time, has had issues winning. He's been kind of the guy there, and I think there comes a point where you have to wonder, you know, was is it fair to wonder that maybe he was part of the problem and never really was going to be a solution there? Um, Obviously, the injury concerns, uh, he does have a $10 million cap hit for five more years. And as we touched on before, I just think that asking price is going to be insane. I think you're going to be looking at, for sure, one high-end NHL player. So I'm thinking like a top-line player, Fiala-like. It's probably going to cost you a Dumba. And then I think you're going to probably have to go a prospect like a Boldy or a Rossi. And then maybe if not those, maybe you got to go to first. Maybe you got to go one of the prospects and another first, another B tier prospect. I just think all those things added up. I think the risk, the, the all the risks that come with him, plus the acquisition cost and the long term cost of you know, because if he doesn't work here, it's it's likely going to be again because the attitude, and then you know how hard is he going to be to trade after that, and then you're right back into maybe a, a Parisi scenario, obviously a little bit younger in the center, but I just think all those things make it seem really risky to me. And I think Sam Reinhardt's a little more attractive. He he is more of a natural winger, but did play a good chunk of center this year and was fine there. He's played center in the past. He's right shot. I think he's two years older at 26, um, as you mentioned, RFA. So if you trade for him, that means you get to control his cap, his cap hit his term. So maybe he's a guy you can throw on a, you know, maybe a, a similar to Fiala Bridge deal. Um and just kind of you know ride it out to the Breezy Suter contracts are up and then maybe look at paying him again. I think his acquisition cost is going to be cheaper. He might cost him maybe a Dumba and maybe like a Huznadinoff or maybe Dumba and a first, which I think is a much more palatable price. And I think, you know, if, if you truly believe that you have a, a legit center prospect in Rossi, I think he has the potential to be a, a, a good number two center. Maybe you're, you know, he run him and Rossi is a 1A, 1B type. I, I just think there's, it's a safer play. I think it solves a lot of the same issues. Obviously, he's not the elite player that Eichel is, but I think he's still a really good. I think he's a legit top six guy and I think he's gonna be more attainable. And so that's where I stand um on the Eichel situation. But again, Zeke, I I, I think the important point you made that I that I agree with is that if garen does go out and make that move, I would assume it's it's with all due diligence uh completed before he even considers making a trade like that.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I think just uh kind of just wrap up my thoughts, I don't know, I guess like I like like Brett mentioned, I don't hate uh Sam Reinhardt. I guess I'm just not as uh I don't know. I guess I'm just not as in love with him, or just just I'm not as as a big a fan of a Like, I mean, if they traded for him tomorrow, I, I would in no way complain because obviously he's, he's a really good player, former second overall pick, still fairly young. But I, I I guess in my way of thinking, that is at that point, I would rather save maybe save that cap space or save that spot for a younger player that's already in the system and just maybe wait a few years and see as we go along if another guy, another higher end player becomes available. Because I I don't know. I just feel like. I mean, again, I, I'm kind of just throwing this together at the last minute, but I just feel like uh, going, if you, I don't know understand that right, but going safe all the time is kind of what the Wild tried to do last time around with the Pommonvilles and, and the Vanix And I, I don't know. I just, it just can overall, just come down to that, uh, speak, Thinking from my point of just that, just player wise and not really, yeah, just in, in a vacuum, not really thinking of the other factors. Uh, just, uh, you know, that, that kind of player never comes or doesn't come available too often. And, and that obviously, you know, it would be, if you could have that type of guy on your team, uh, really good. But, yeah, no, you guys bring up good points, too. The, obviously, the cost would be really high. And, uh, you know, when I mentioned uh, not wanting to ship guys off to Buffalo either, uh, you know, I you know obviously, I don't know if Bill Yarn's probably like this. And, obviously, you can't, uh, you know, think too much about, you know, being, I guess, nice in trades. But it would also... Uh, uh, if you had to ship off Rossi to Buffalo, I'd feel pretty bad about that, uh, considering his health situation, the fact that he, uh, uh, you know, knows, you know, guys like Vanek and all this, and it's kind of already established something here. So, but yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a very complicated situation uh, overall. And, uh, you know, overall, I also just uh, just feel really bad for the fans out there in Buffalo. So yeah, yeah it's it's, uh, it's uh, like, I don't, I just don't, it's kind of funny because I remember five years ago thinking when the, that draft happened and McDavid went one and Eichel went two. For some reason, I mean, I was younger. didn't know as much, but I thought Buffalo was going to be uh, better, quicker than the Oilers. And they're uh, just a complete mess. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's complicated.
0: Yeah, and I think the other piece, you know, even if, you know, you know, Garen's able to do his due diligence and finds out, hey, you know what, Jack Eichel is a good fit. It might just be hard for the Wild to competitively make an offer. I think you've, mm-hmm. you know we've heard of teams like the Rangers, the Kings that have you know interest. The Kings have a ton of really good center mm-hmm. prospects. They have Gabriel Vellardi, they have Quentin Byfield, they have Alex Turcotte. Uh, I think Rasmus Kapari's and another. Like they have you know four mm-hmm. or five center prospects. They have you know probably some you know de- defensemen or some wingers they could throw in there too. Like it, you know they're probably gonna in, with the prospect pool that deep too. They might be able to you know be willing to throw in some first. Second-round yeah. picks in there too, so I just wonder, you know, can you make a competitive offer that beats a team like that too? And I'm just, I'm not sure mm-hmm. that they can, but it's also hard to know what what Buffalo is looking for. Maybe they want some more established NHLers to be competing mm-hmm. sooner rather than later than rather going through a another continued rebuild. So I think that's the yeah. other really interesting piece with that whole situation.
2: I think to just build off that quickly. I think uh, another, you know, uh, like you mentioned, uh, if if Rossi, if hypothetically you're gonna do that trade, and you know, I'm assuming that Rossi be the guy would be the guy they'd want because they, you know, it's been reported that they want a center back. Like they passed him on him in the draft for Jack Quinn. Like, you know, and especially with his health issues, like who knows how much they'd even you know, really be in love with him as like a centerpiece in trading away their franchise player either. So Right,
0: and does, but it, yeah, and does, it, and does a Huznodinov move that needle enough for him too? Cause he's yeah. Probably yeah either, he's, he's probably no number it, two yeah. unless they, you know, they have a belief in Havana, who I think is still kind of a pretty polarizing prospect.
2: Yeah, that's a good point right. though.
0: All right. Uh, any final thoughts here about uh, Eichel, Reinhardt, uh, Parisi, game one, game two of um, the playoffs?
1: No, I think uh, we've touched on a lot of what I wrote down in my, my notes, and I'm you know, speaking off the top of my head.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, sounds good. Let's just go into a little more uh, broad talk of the playoffs here. We've got just an incredible start of the playoffs so far. I believe uh, Emily Kaplan of ESPN pointed this out yesterday. Of every game that's been played so far, you know, we've had what five of the six have gone to overtime. The one that didn't was Tampa Bay, Florida. And that that's game was absolutely one of the most fun games I've ever watched. I mean, just back and forth. I mean, there was everything you wanted. There were cheap hits. There were big saves. There were unbelievable goals. Jonathan Uberdo was just in another world last night. Nikita Kucherov returned and looked like he's been hasn't missed a beat, which that's a whole nother story <laughs> uh, with the Caps' or convention and whether or not, you know the question of how long has Kucherov truly been healthy. But you know, no no game has a team ever you know led by more than a goal. Uh, right now, it's uh, National Carolina are tied 2-2. Uh, so are the Bruins and Caps. <laughs> yeah, Bruins Caps tied 2-2. So the, all the trends continuing. We have two more potential games going to overtime. We're just so blessed. I mean, it's been just an awesome, awesome start to the mm-hmm. playoffs so far.
2: And I think, you know, the, the biggest thing like that I've kind of just – loved about it is, you know, in a lot of these places with, uh, you know, even if only 5,000 fans, but even, you know, down in Florida or, or in Carolina tonight where you know, pretty much even though it's only like 12,000, I think, looks like it's a full house. It's just it's great to have, you know, to turn on the TV and watch the game and see people there, you know, reacting to the play, you know, jumping up and down, going nuts when there's, you know, like Brett said, and there's goal, big goal scored saves and all that. And I think that's just been, you know, it's it, the playoffs are always great, obviously, as every hockey fan knows, but I think that's just been my You know, aside from the play on the ice, it's just my favorite part is just the fact that there's fans back in the building. You just, even through the TV, you can feel that energy and just the excitement in the building from the people in there.
0: Yeah. And I think you're just seeing it come through with the intensity from the players from that as well. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. It's much better than last year's playoffs. While we were blessed to have them with what was going on, the piped in crowd noise is not (laughs) as uh, fun as the actual crowd atmosphere like you guys have touched. But yeah. I'm glad to have this, uh, a lot of this upcoming week up, up off so that I can watch some of these games because, you know, the, like you mentioned, they've all been one-goal games and almost every single one's gone to overtime. And almost continuing the trend tonight on top of starting the St. Louis-Colorado series, which should be another fun one. So it's just mm-hmm. all around. You're seeing those, you know, these teams play eight times this year, e- each other, and then continuing the playoffs. It's not really disappointing at all.
2: And just, uh, yeah, just hope we get the – you know at seven games of that Florida Tampa series like Brett mentioned because that would be mm-hmm. be fantastic it's and it's just great and people you know have always made fun of the Panthers and and you know how there's they're like oh they have the highest attendance in the league this year finally and it's like and it's like I mean, you can make jokes but I feel like some of the is kind of annoying it's like you know when the team was bad for like the, literally 23 or 22 of their 25 year existence like especially in florida right down in miami like you know people are gonna find other things to do and i think it's just a uh, really cool just you know like we saw with carolina a couple of years ago to see that it's kind of these places where, where the teams haven't been good for a long just kind of have these really good teams that have just uh you know put on a pretty good product for the fans down there so
1: yeah another thing i've noticed sorry if you're trying to get in on the spread, but um uh, we've seen a couple guys that during the season, got traded. They're making big impacts, like Kyle Palmieri in New York and Sam Bennett in Calgary. I mean, you've seen some of these trades that we may have thought went to work, like Sam Bennett, and they're you know making an impact with their new team. Especially uh, Palmieri, who scored two goals in that Pittsburgh game, including the game winner, I believe.
0: Yeah, and we didn't talk last week about GM of the year, but Zeke, you were just talking about just kind of the bounce back and how Florida's finally good. What a job Bill Zito has done. Since mm. he took over, I mean, you look at all the players he's he's acquired. Basically, he got Patrick Horncrost from the Penguins for Mike Matheson. W uh, went out and just kind of took some flyers and some guys like Anthony Duclair, Carter Verhage. Uh, he also brought in uh, Marcus Navara. He like we just yeah, talked really? about. He went out and got, um, just as mm-hmm. mentioned, Sam Bennett. Um, he also brought in uh, one more defenseman, I believe, too. And he
2: also, I think, he brought in uh, Wenberg from Columbus. Yeah,
0: Wenberg, and there's a defenseman he brought in as well.
2: Uh, I think it's – did you say Nudivar already? Yeah, Nudivar. Right? I thought
0: there was one more he brought in the deadline.
2: Uh, Oh, Uh, uh Montour. Yeah, Montour
0: from Buffalo. And it's just like – it's a lot of these like small trades you think, you know, maybe weren't, you know, immediate impact stuff. <laughs> but you look at the impact guys like Duclair, Verhage, you know, to shore up the blue line and, you know, to get a lot out of these guys like Barkoff and Uberdo and everything else it has been really impressive. And, mm-hmm. you know, who would have thought that, you know, one of the best series of the first round would be the two teams – out of the Florida market, like, that's it's, yeah. it's just pretty cool for the sport of hockey that the series people want to watch is, you know, the Battle of Florida.
2: Yeah, it's it's cool. I think just, uh, you know, obviously Brett touched on Huberto, who, you know, him and Barkov have been, because the team's been happening been very good, you know, since they've been there, since, like, 2012. But those two guys are, uh, you know, are just so good. Like, they're just so good. It's, that it's assist Huberto
0: had last night was just insane. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And I mean, there was, you know, some people afterwards were like, "Well, it was lucky." Well, yeah, but he was also trying to do that, so <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: And I'm, UK. I'm not sure if on the goal that he scored, if he like if that was like a Kucherov move where he like fake like he lost the puck, but it mm-hmm. sure looked intentional to me every time I watched. I don't think he lost puck; I think that was intentional.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty good.
0: But uh, and this is this is all, and we still haven't seen you know, L- uh, Ed- Edmonton and Winnipeg yet, or uh, oh, yeah. Colorado, or, or, yeah, Colorado, St. Louis, and we also haven't seen Toronto, um, and Montreal, which um, you know sounds like it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty intense series, especially up in Canada. So uh, it's it's going to be just a really fun first round. I think this this one year format, I, th- I think just with all those games against each other, I think you've seen some new rivalries boil that are going to continue in this playoffs and really mm-hmm. make for a really fun playoffs. And I think we've we've seen just a lot of a lot of fun games so far, and I'm just hoping it continues. Agree. Mm-hmm. All right, well, a little bit shorter show today, but that's okay. Uh, we've got one more segment here before we uh, before we wrap up, and that is Players of the Week. And then for the last time for this season, probably um, until we get into next year, we're going to have our Amateurs of the Week. So, Justin, uh, out of respect for all your coverage to the Amateurs this week, we'll go to you first.
1: Alright, so I'm going to go with the 2017 fourth-round pick, uh, Mason Shaw. You know, he's been kind of riddled with injuries throughout his career, but he's one of those players that has potential and and is a good player, but he had a five-point week, uh, two goals, three assists in three games and finishes his his season healthy with uh, 22 points in 30 games played, so uh, stick taps to Mason Shaw.
0: Yeah, he's kind of a heart-and-soul guy, a a grinder type, and like you said, riddled injuries, so it was nice to see him kind of get a full season in this year and, and and be a contributor and notice another guy that could potentially be a nice a nice depth piece of call up piece for the mm. Wild moving forward. Absolutely, Zeke, for sure. who is yours?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go with the the to Hunter Jones goalie the Wild selected in the second round, I think like 59th overall in 2019. Uh, you know, in his first, you know, this is kind of the stats are a game or two outdated, but his first nine games. Uh, in the AHL, he was one seven one with a 5.62 goals against and 8.27 save percentage. And uh, ex- this is the, in the last nine games, uh, excluding his last game this season, which was a 5-4 win, which he allowed uh, four goals and 23 shots. But he was before the nine games before that, he was 7-2-0 with the 1.57 goals against and a .947 save percentage with two shutouts. And uh, you know his stats may be a little bit different now, but he's just had a really good uh, second half to his season after kind of a you know rough transition uh, to into the AHL at the pro level. The first part but you know as we know uh goalies are really weird and, and they can post you know not so great stats down to minors and get called up randomly one day the nhl uh, and, and be great and be there for 10 years so but it's no it's just good to see him uh, you know pick up his game the second half season
0: yeah without a doubt i know i was you know just kind of worried at the beginning of the year and i think there was even a point where you're like huh it's philip lindberg you know our seventh round pick from yeah. that same draft can yeah. end up being better then our second round pick, but as yeah, like as you said, Zeke, it's really nice to see him just turn it on that second half, really start to find the game, find the comfort, you know, feed in the transition, and and finish the season strong. It's got to be just great, you know, a great feeling for him just moving into next year as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: All right, and my amateur of the week for probably like the fifth time this year <laughs> <laughs> is uh is Matt Boldy who uh, finishes his AHL career or uh, probably AHL career, I would assume, but. Um, his AHL stint this year, 14 games played, he finishes with 6 goals, 12 assists and 18 points in 14 games played, plus 5. 3 power play goals, just 2 penalty minutes. And then as Justin alluded to earlier in the show, uh, 1.29 points per game, which is both the highest in uh, Iowa Wild and uh, Houston Arrows history. Um, also led the team this year by uh, almost .4. Next closest was Jerry Mayhew at .95 and then Gabriel Dumont at .91. Uh, fifty two shots on goal in fourteen games. That's a twenty seven percent shooting percentage as well. So, you know, we, we we know we know the passing ability, but still a, a very effective uh a shooter as well. So really good to see him thrive in Iowa. Um, as we said, we're still hoping to maybe see a debut this year. Who knows? Um, but regardless, a a bright future for uh for Matt Boldy and Continue to be excited for him. Uh, ever since we got rid of that that long look in the World Juniors, we've really been pumping his <laughs> tires. And he continues uh, t- to wow us. So really good to see him finish a, a great rookie season in the AHL. Absolutely. All right, so let's move to the pros of the week. We'll continue to do these uh, through the playoffs here. So uh, as long as there's a good uh, handful of Minnesota players <laughs> to pick from, that is. So, uh, uh, Justin, let's go to you uh, again here for your uh, pro of the week.
1: Um, I'm going to choose someone that we've chosen probably five, six, seven times as well. (laughs) Again, I'm going to go with Cam Talbot after his 42 save shutout versus Vegas. Uh, Just stellar performance. And, uh, you know, if we're going to make a run, we're going to have to have good goaltending. And that was a hell of a start.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it was good to see him bounce back after uh, uh, some tough games and the year there, uh, Definitely gave me some more hope than I felt moving in because I was mm. the way he had played as of late. I was I was pretty nervous, but uh, the confidence is back. So we uh, will go to yep. you for yes. your Pro of the Week.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go a, bit, a little bit kinda of off the board in terms of I guess performance last week but i'm gonna just like we talked about earlier i'm gonna go with uh, zach preezy just give him a little bit of shout out uh you know he was they showed him today practicing uh after practice with the taxi squad guys uh you know he's been seeing a lot of those tweets where he's you know still working hard uh you know still, it still doesn't seem to be at least you know too much around the team or in public uh doing you know complaining too much or, or doing too much of a situation so just shout out for him that the continued work ethic and uh Hopefully, uh, yeah, and just showing that uh, you know if they do need him because of an injury or something, uh, yeah, I'm sure if they need him at all in the playoffs, I'm sure he'll be ready. So yeah,
0: a good pick there. And my uh, pro of the week, uh, li- almost a little bit outdated now. Um, probably could have even gotten this honor last week, um, or last show. But I'm gonna go with TJ Oshi who, uh, managed to score a hat trick, um, in the first game back following uh, the death of his father, uh, Coach Oshi. Um, which, and, of course, uh, Oshie, a World native, and his dad, a, a big mentor uh, both to him and to lots of uh, players that have gone through World, and for him to go out and, and do that in a very emotional game, that's all the Tom Wilson drama and the and all the Panarin, stuff with Panarin, for him to continue to keep his head and, and, and to do that uh, was, was pretty cool, and I believe he might have a goal uh, in tonight's Boston-Washington uh, playoff game as well. He,
1: <laughs> he does, yes. He scored their first goal.
0: So just adding Good. on to it. So those mm-hmm. are uh there you are. Those are your players, amateurs of the week. Uh which pretty much does it for the show here, fellas. Uh any uh yeah. final thoughts here before we uh before we sign off?
2: Um not too much for me. I guess we just wanna I don't know, are we when's the next plan or next show because I don't we maybe wanna make sure the listeners know that. Or do we have any idea?
0: Um do the Wild are they Tuesday, there, Thursday? They plan- the
2: week? Yeah, it's Tuesday, Thursday.
0: I think we could be back on Friday. Two games should give us plenty of content, I think, eh?
1: Absolutely.
2: Works for me. All right.
1: And uh, I just want to say final thoughts on the prospects page. I want to thank everyone for the support that continues to support us and follow us and interact with us. Um, We're close to 2,000 followers, and while the season is coming to an end, uh, I hope people continue to follow us because next season we'll be right back at it. We'll be hitting the – A little bit of draft stuff, and and then, of course, Mm -hmm. I plan on this week kind of posting uh, how each prospect did for the season. So uh, just a little kind of last thing for the season to do, something fun. So, um, yeah, just appreciate everyone and everyone that supports this page, too. Just It's been fun getting involved with this podcast and kind of putting it all together between all my pages and, and doing this with you guys.
0: Yeah, it's been a fun ride, and hopefully we can, uh, you know, our this uh, this show will pretty much go as long as the playoffs go, and then there might be we have some a couple ideas for some off season shows. Well, obviously uh, draft free agency will be mm-hmm. some some episodes in there too, but uh, we'll just continue to go as long as the wild keep churning. And uh, yeah, so look at that, uh, under fifty minutes today. That might be wow. uh, a that. that might be a record for wow. us. But
1: uh, it a quickie.
0: It was, it was. But uh, now some time to watch uh, the end of these games here. Uh, Washington's pulled ahead 3-2. I believe Nashville and Carolina have gone to intermission at 2-2. Mm-hmm. So, and I think we're just about 10 minutes away here from uh, Colorado and St. Louis. So, hold on hockey on tap. Wild in Vegas tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Because yay for that. But <laughs> I'm actually a little thankful. I've got two softball games, 8-15, 9 awesome. So, Sweet. I'll probably so you won't miss, miss like – probably missed maybe the first period part of the second, but I won't miss as much as if it were like a seven o'clock game or something. So thankful for it for this one time. And this one time. (laughs) All right. So, uh, guys just remind everyone where they can find you here.
2: Oh well, you can uh, find me uh, as usual on Twitter at zbwildnation underscore hw, and you can also find my written work at Hockey Wilderness. And just uh, quickly to end, if you'll see on my profile I have a pin tweet that uh, if Victor Ask is listening, if he scores a game winning goal in the playoffs, I will buy a Victor Ask jersey and change my Twitter name to number one Victor Ask fan oh, for geez. the rest of the playoffs. So uh, everyone can hold me to that. It's on the pin tweet. But uh, shout out Victor Ask after all the. Uh, the good, the crap I've given him. Uh, Let's be a little bit of a friendly wager here. So we'll we'll see if I uh, end up having to shell out a couple hundred bucks. But yeah, shout out to him.
0: All right, and Justin, what about you?
1: Uh, I'm at uh, at D East 2004. I'm at Caprissov. See with the Sub countdown, and I'm at MNW Prospects with wild prospects and young players. And who knows, maybe maybe uh, I don't know. I wouldn't actually do this, but maybe I'll get a tattoo of Caprice. I'll holding this Stanley the cup on my shoulder or something if they win. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty sweet. It
2: be. Uh,
0: all right. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore marsh 92. Uh, a couple of things to plug, uh, not necessarily on my own behalf, but on others. Uh, Dylan Fremlin, a uh, contributor over there at Hockey Wilderness uh, with you, Zeke, wrote an article about Jonas Brodine that he dropped today. Uh, there's a quote in me from there about some of my thoughts on Brodine. And uh, Dylan did really good work. Uh, breaking down Jonas's game, so check out that article on Hockey Wilderness, um, and also uh, I would jumped on, like as I mentioned earlier, with uh, Seth Topol of uh, Locked On Wild um, for a game two preview that'll I believe drop tomorrow morning. So check that out as well, and be sure you are following the podcast account on both Twitter and Instagram at Sound the Foghorn, all one word. That'll do it for this uh, Monday night episode of Sound the Foghorn. And uh, until Friday, uh, that's all from us. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, this has been another episode of On The Clock.